Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Like, my friends would hit me up and be like, I owe you dinner because I got my raise. And the thing is you that... You should start taking commission. Yeah, no. On that raise. <laughs> That's what a man would do. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but the truth is that closed mouths don't get fed, right? You're listening to Feminists Don't Wear Pink, the podcast, based on the book Feminists Don't Wear Pink and Other Lies, a collection of writing by 52 women on what feminism means to them. I'm Scarlett Curtis. I'm a writer, activist, journalist, and very, very proud feminist. I'm also the curator of this book and the presenter of the podcast. During this series, I'm going to be talking to a few of the amazing contributors who've written our book to find out how they found their feminism and some of the lies that they've been told about what it means to be a woman. My guest this week is the insanely brilliant Angela Yee. Angela is an American DJ who currently hosts The Breakfast Club, one of the biggest radio shows in the US. She's been a true pioneer in the male-dominated world of radio and is a huge inspiration of mine. We were so excited when she agreed to write Feminists Don't Wear Pink and even more excited when she agreed to meet in New York to talk about her piece in more detail. Hi, Angela. Thank you for agreeing to be on our podcast. Oh, no problem. Thank you guys for including me in so much. Um, I feel very weird interviewing you because I listen to you every single day for four years and it feels weird to have the tables reversed. <laughs> um, but I think you're amazing. Thank and you. we've actually never met before, but I emailed you out the blue because I'm such a big fan and asked you if you wanted to be in our book and we never thought you'd reply. And then you replied being like, yeah, sure. And then sent the most incredible piece. Oh, thank you. You know what? I am. I did go to school to be a writer. So for me, it was something that I thought was important. Mm -hmm. And also something that, and it's crazy because this comes up all the time, right? About what does it mean to be a feminist? Mm. And I was just like arguing with people about this on Twitter. I should read this to you, what somebody said, because it really yeah. bothers me. But it's like sometimes you got to be like, look, I'm, I can't even um, deal with this. But I think that's an important discussion to have, right? Because people are scared of that word. And I think people have a misconception about what it is. Completely. You know, as well. So that's why... Um, it was an important discussion to have, but it also is something that like irritates me sometimes just to hear like the ignorance that people have. Yeah. And I also think you very much, at least to me, like represent what feminism is, which is like this strong woman in a very masculine world kind of putting your views out there. Yeah. And it's interesting to me because I think people think like we were discussing that feminism has to be one way. Right. Yeah. But I think there's so many different ways that people can express that. Like some people are really like loud, confrontational, which is fine. And then some people just are more quiet but are more active in mm. what it is that they do in real life. I think 
For some reason, people think that if you're louder on Twitter or on social media, that's more effective than doing things in real life. Yeah, or they think anger's the way to do things, which I don't think it is, because I don't think you ever persuade anyone by being angry. Right. What so. did someone say to you on Twitter? Oh, I'm trying to find it. I might have... Um, like, I might have blocked them. But um, it was just something, basically, we were talking about uh, Pamela Anderson's comments. And they were saying something like, I'm so tired of this feminism. They need to lock these women up who are accusing men oh of different things. Like, first of all, <laughs> it's like, how does a woman who might potentially be a victim of something yeah. all of a sudden deserve to be locked up? And then just a lot of still, like, I think we've explained this so many times about why women, it's important for us to speak up, even if it's something that happened 30 years ago. Mm. And even if people look at it like, well, women need to stop putting themselves in that position. Yeah. And I don't see how people don't realize that's a victim blaming. Like, because I came into your room and you had on a robe, that means I deserve, like, that's, that's my mad. fault. Yeah. You know? And I understand, like, okay, would I put myself in that position in this situ period of my life that I am? No. But when I was 17, 18 years old and I didn't know any better, mm. maybe I would have been like, hey, I'm trying out for this part. Oh, he came, you know, all right, yeah, this yeah, is just yeah. what it is. Yeah, I think no one realizes the kind of pressure that you're under when people in power say things like that to you. And also, why aren't we just saying to men, instead of telling us, don't put yourself in that position, how about for men, you don't do that? Yeah, completely. Period. Um, so when do you think you realized you were a feminist? Um, you know what? I think it's just hard because I had never really would have described myself using yeah. that word. But even being on The Breakfast Club, right, people say all the time, they'll be like, you always take the woman's side. You always take the woman's side. Well, I'm a woman. Whose side am I supposed to take? Yeah. And for myself, just navigating through this industry the way that I've had to for so long, because I've been in this music industry in some form or fashion, I started off working at Wu-Tang, mm. you know, back in 1997. That's a really long time. And even before that, I had internships. And there were so many different instances where I was treated differently because mm. I was a woman. And there's so many different times that I think I've always really worked hard at making sure other women got opportunities. Yeah. And I've always helped women out more than I've helped men, you know. But I also realize how many more challenges that we've had mm. to face. And so I don't feel bad about that and I don't regret that. And I think I've always mentored women. Yeah. And so that was always my way of giving back. I just never identified that as being a feminist. Yeah. And so I think everybody has their own different definition of what it is. But for myself, you know, that's part of what I do. Like I have my book club. My book club is in a women's sportswear mm. store. That's because we are targeting women when I do those things. Men are welcome you know, to come and join in the conversation. But for myself, like I have a running club. And when I think about those things, I think about women first. Yeah. You talk in your piece about how you kind of grew up seeing feminism as something that was just for white women. Mm -hmm. And I think that's definitely something that is it's changing, but it's still prevalent. Like I think we see like middle class white women dominating the conversation. Do you see that changing? I see that we've been a lot more vocal about what we need because mm -hmm. our needs are different. You know, also, even with the Women's March, right, that started off as a thing for white women. It's like, no, yeah. if it's a Women's March, uh, women of color have to be included in those conversations. And we need you to also show up for us. Yeah. Like, we can't just show up to support women's rights that focus mainly on what are the needs of white women. And y'all not showing up for us and the specific needs that we have also. So I think that's been an issue. Even watching everything happen with the Me Too movement yeah. and... You know, they'll act like Alyssa Milano started the movement when Serana Burke is yeah. the person that originally was the one that started it um, for black women. Specific. Who, and that's, I think, the thing people don't understand is like 
it's not the same feminism for everyone. Mm-hmm. Like it, the, you need specific movements that are very different. Right. And we need the support we need. And it's interesting because even like with Donald Trump being elected to be president, a lot of white women went out and voted for Donald yeah. Trump. Even in Texas, like two days ago, more white women voted for Ted Cruz. Yeah, and that's like crazy to me. I'm like, what is going on here? So I do feel like for black women, uh, we do lead in a lot of ways, Mm. you know, when it comes to voting, when it comes to businesses, when it comes to entrepreneurship. And I think a lot of what we need has to be supported by everybody. I think we do have the hardest time also because we get it from men. We get it from white women. It's just... Kind of like you feel like you're always being battered in some way. Completely. That's really interesting. You talk, in terms of the Me Too movement, a lot's obviously been said about like the film industry and the TV industry. Do you think the same conversations are happening within the music industry? Not so much yet. I think that a lot of women have experienced different things. I think that we're very reluctant to want to talk about black men in this Mm. business, right? Because I know personally women who have had circumstances that they'll never come forward with because it's hard. It's hard for you to come out there and accuse another black man of something because we're always trying to protect black men at the same time and we don't ever want to accuse them of anything. But they should be held accountable for things that they've done. But at the same time, I feel like it's hard for us to have those conversations because then it looks like you're trying to bring the black man down. Yeah. You know, and we don't really want to do that because we know that as a community, we had a, we've had a hard time. Mm. But, you know, there are definitely some people who have done some heinous things that they should be punished. And it does seem like black men get punished more harshly. Yeah, completely. So, and I think it has because of because it's the intersection of two mm-hmm. things going on. It's got consequences that it wouldn't be the same if a white woman accused a white man. Right, like we see Harvey Weinstein and everybody's talking about like these charges might get dropped, they've already dropped yeah. these charges, nothing might even happen to him. That would not be the same if he was black. Right. And people talk about Bill Cosby and they compare that, but I will say with Bill Cosby, I feel like for decades he did get away with a lot of different things. It took until now yeah. for him to finally, finally go to jail. And you and know, also I think he was in a position of privilege yes, that a lot of black super men Super privilege. Yeah, like that, he had a lot of protection yes. from a lot of angles. Um, you write in your piece really beautifully about a moment when you were kind of just starting out in the industry and one of your bosses basically said like you should sleep with me mm-hmm. and that would help your job and you said no what do you think it was in you that had the strength to say no because I think a lot of women are put in that position and don't have that strength it was just a reaction first and foremost because he was mm. disgusting anyway and I didn't like him and I think I also hated my job at that time mm. so I think it would be harder if it was a job maybe that I loved, that I was scared to lose. Mm. But I think I felt like it was just the last straw. It was like, I already hate this job. There was already disgusting things going on that I was like, I can't stand this place. And so it wasn't like I was like, no, I can't lose this job. I think I felt like this is the catalyst that's going to make me finally be like, I'm out of here. But um, what happened after you said no? Um... Nothing. Like I left his office and I remember I walked out and I called my best friend and I was like, you won't believe what just happened. And she was like, well, what are you going to do? You need to keep that job. And it's not that I quit. It's the next day he stopped coming to work after that. And then the next day his partner called me in and fired me. And well, they, or they laid me off. They let me go. Smash. And yeah. Did I, they give you a reason? Uh, No. But I was ready to go anyway. But my main thing after that was I'm out of here. Yeah. I, and for a second, I was like, man, this could be like a case. But then I was like, you know what? You know, fuck this job. I hate yeah. them anyway. 
I just want to move on to something else. And interestingly enough, I already had it in my head that I was going to move on. So I also had a job interview the next day. So after all that happened, I went on this job interview and I told the dude, like, look, you know, things didn't go well for me. And I actually am looking for a job and they hired me. So the very next day I got another job. So it was like a nice burden, you know, lifted off my shoulders. And I was fortunate um, in that way. But I will say, like, he did try to not pay me because they told me when they were, quote, laying me off that I was going to get like two weeks severance pay, which is really not much yeah. <laughs> and all of that. So then they gave me a check and then they canceled it. That's so when mad. I went to go deposit my check or whatever, it was canceled. So at that point, I was so frustrated that I called the partner and I was like, listen, if y'all don't pay me my money, then you'll definitely have a lawsuit. Wow. And they were like, okay. And they were like, come back um, tomorrow. And they left the check in the mail with the guys in the mail room. And I went and got my check and, and deposited it. And then I didn't have any more issues after that. And That's I did have so somebody mad. call and threaten yeah. them as well. <laughs> and he had to hire security in his office after that. I kind of And the security that. that he hired was somebody that I knew that I was friends with. So that was like the <laughs> thing. Um, that's quite funny. Uh, you also talk in your piece about kind of the pressures on women to look a certain way mm-hmm. and be a certain way. You, this is a podcast so people can't see you, but you're incredibly beautiful. And, oh my um, <laughs> but I think it's something, you know, even I like, all my friends are feminists and we all talk about, you know, not feeling the pressure. But when you are scrolling on Instagram, when you are looking through magazines or looking on TV, it can be really hard not to let that get into your head. How have you kind of fought that off? I think um, it, it was fortunate for me, like coming up in the age that I did, we didn't have social media. Yeah. We didn't have all of that. So it wasn't as much pressure, I think, as there is today. I think it's a lot worse now mm. with what you see. Like, even if I post pictures now, people will be like, damn, you need to get, uh, you know, you ain't got no titties or you need to get ass and blah, blah, blah. And I don't really feel like that. Like, I'm very comfortable in how I am. And yeah. I love the fact that I haven't had anything done. And I don't have a problem with anybody who has done that because I don't judge what other people decide to do with their bodies as long as they're safe about it. Mm. But... I've just never felt like that. I've never been the type of person that wanted attention because of how I look, you know, and I love clothes. I love sweatsuits. I would wear a sweatsuit every single day if I could, but I don't even really wear like tight clothes or things like that. So it's never been something that has been an issue to me. So, you know, I think that's probably why, because when I first started in radio, people don't see what you look like. Yeah. So people didn't know what I looked like for a long time. Honestly, like my last name is E. People thought I was like some Asian girl. That's quite funny. Yeah. So I remember they would have um, whole entire chat rooms. Like, why is this Asian Chinese girl on the radio thinking she could talk about hip hop? Yeah. Because they didn't know. And I guess before social media, you weren't kind mm-hmm. of putting yourself out there. What advice would you give to young girls who are feeling that pressure? I would say that whatever you decide to do, make sure you do it for the right reasons and know that there are sometimes things that can go wrong. Mm. And if you're willing to face that and you can't fix what's on the out, what's on the outside and not fix what's on the inside. Yeah. And so always worry about that first. Think about the reasons why you want to do something. Is it for you or is it to please other people? And if you're not happy with yourself inside, no matter how much work you do to yourself, it's not going to fix mm. that. Yeah. How do you think we... Because you work in a very male environment. How do you think we bring men into this conversation around feminism, around empowering women? You know, I think they need to hear people's stories. So I had did this town hall with these uh, girls that were high school students, right, in Long Island. And it's called Girls Talk. And it's something that I do every year. But this year in particular, they did like it was all about the Me Too movement. Mm. And hearing these high school girls talk about what they have to go through. Like, I didn't realize 
how bad it is. One girl, you know, and how we have to support each other, too. One girl stood up and was talking about every day she gets off the school bus and her neighbor, like, grabs her ass. And the other girls that are, you know, around are like, oh, she asked for it. She loves it. Look, Mm -hmm. she loves it. Oh, shut up. And I'm like, damn, how do other women or these are young girls, you know, just stand there and watch that happen? And then one girl stood up and told her story about how her neighbor would drive her to school in the morning. It was her dad's friend. And one day he tried to, you know, sexually assault her. And she never told her dad because she didn't want her dad to kill him. And it was also his only friend. She was like, my dad didn't have a lot of friends. And she was, you know, crying while she was telling this story. And then all the girls started getting up and telling stories about things that they go through. There was nobody that didn't have a story to tell. And I think that guys... Young men need to hear these stories because sometimes they think what they do is harmless Mm. and they don't understand it until they can see how women feel about it. And a lot of times we try to mask those things and just be strong and deal deal with it ourselves. But it is important for these stories to be out there and for us to feel the strength in being able to say, don't ever fucking touch me again. And to know that the girls will be there like, yeah, if you're disgusting, like they need to hear those things. And women need to support each other. A lot of times we are so against each other. Yeah. And I think a lot of women think aligning themselves with feminism will mean men won't like them. Mm hmm. Because there is that kind of division. Right. But it is. I mean, and feminism shouldn't get the bad rap that it gets. You know, you see how women are so popping now. Like, we should be proud. Yeah. And I think that is changing, but it's Mm -hmm. hard and it kind of takes people like you to be like, yeah, I'm a feminist and I'm cool and have loads of friends. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So the book's all about kind of the lies that we've been told about what it means to be a woman and a feminist. What is one lie you think you've been told about what it means to be a woman? Uh, That you have to fit into a certain to be a woman or be a feminist woman first then feminist okay I think that um what it means is that you're angry and yeah. I think sometimes people think that being a woman and a feminist means that you're angry all the time about everything and you're mm. really just a normal person who has uh, certain things that are important to you and things that we deserve like we deserve our rights we deserve our equal pay mm. you know we deserve not to be harassed and those are just like basic human rights and that doesn't mean that you're walking around angry all the time, but it means that when you see certain things, you call them out. And it means that when we see people that we can support, even if you're not uh, always, you know, going around vocally doing things, do things behind the scenes, do things to improve people's situations and not just your own. Yeah, I love that. And what about, because we've also kind of touched on like lies that we've been told about what it means to be a man. Mm -hmm. Do you think, what do you think is a lie you've been told about what it means to be a man? That you can't be emotional. Yeah. I think that's our fault, too, as women. I think we sometimes get like act like we're turned off or be like, oh, my God, he got all emotional. He cried. And men feel like they can't cry and they feel like they can't show emotion and they feel like they can't be like, we need to talk. Because, you know, that's what they tell women, like, hey, we need to talk. And, like, guys can't do that. And guys do need to talk. Yeah, I think it's a way that kind of the patriarchy really does hold men back. Yeah, we talk to feel. each other and we, you know, talk yeah. about relationships with each other. I think men are conditioned to like not do that and not to act like they're in love or they have feelings or they're hurt. Yeah. You know, um, you also write in your piece about like money and kind of how you read this piece in Marie Claire about how women never ask for raises. And then you realize that you could ask for it. How do you what's your kind of advice for women who because I think money is something that's really hard for a lot of women to navigate and deal with. What would be your advice be to someone that maybe wants to ask for a raise or thinks they deserve a raise? 
Oh, you know, I have given this advice to so many people, and I'm really happy to say that it has worked. Like, my friends will hit me up and be like, I owe you dinner because I got my raise. <laughs> and the thing is You that, should start taking commission yeah, no. on that raise. <laughs> That's what a man would do. Yeah. <laughs> but the truth is that closed mouths don't get fed, right? And, you know, I always say you don't ask for a raise because you want one. You ask for it because you deserve mm. one. So first of all, you have to deserve a raise. Mm. It's not just that, oh, I've been here a year, I get a raise. It's like, no, I've been here a year, and you can see that I've accomplished this, 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 and this. And these are concrete things to show that I do deserve a raise. And even before all that, even when you get a job offer, like negotiate your salary. Just because they say this is what I have doesn't mean you can't negotiate for more. And what you negotiate for, if they don't have more money, you can always ask for other things like vacation days or half days once a month, whatever it is that you want to ask for. Mm. You know, ask for those things because we shouldn't hesitate and feel like, oh, I'm honored to even be given this offer. It should be, well, they're offering this to me because they want me here. So let me just just at least try to negotiate yeah. and make the effort because if you don't ask, you never know what you might get. And, and also, if you're good at your job, I always think negotiating isn't going to make them fire you. Like, they, they, they already like you. Like, then that's not going to put them off if they've already decided to hire you. And I feel like never threaten to leave and go somewhere else yeah. because they that puts people in a position where they're feeling defensive about it and they're like, all right, go ahead then. You know, I think the best thing to do is to say, I really enjoy working here. Mm. And I have, you know, gonna gone above and beyond what it is that I was here to do. And make sure you really have. And here's what I've done. Here's what I've accomplished. And actually show concrete things that can show what you have accomplished. And then have a number in mind. Yeah. Right? So when you go in there, you're not just like, I want to raise. Like, what do you want? Yeah. You know, and ask for that. And, you know, always go higher than what you really do want so that you can they come can somewhere then, in the yeah, middle and meet. Because the worst is when you're like, oh, I want this. And they're like, okay. Yeah. And you're like, damn, I should have asked for more. <laughs> Um, yeah, and I also think there's a lot of talk around like wage transparency and like asking your colleagues what they make. Mm-hmm. Like if there's a man at your level, you yeah. can know what he makes. And, and they have all kinds the of websites and apps where you can look that up to yeah. see what people are making in your field. Yeah. Um, I want to read an amazing quote from your piece, which I love, where you said, my feminism is not passing judgment on others, but instead listening to understand our differences. I may like you or I may not like you after that. And you may or may not like me. Regardless, every time that I'm on the radio and functioning in real life, I will continue to initiate and participate in anything that makes women stronger, especially women of colour who have additional obstacles to hurdle over. I love that so much. Um, What are some practical tips that you think women can do to lift up other women in their lives? I think, like I said, not to pass judgment. When we went to the Women's March, and I find sometimes when I'm with my friends, like, we say things, and I'm like, why am I being so mean? Like, call yourself out and call your friends out. Sometimes I have to tell them, all this negativity is not good for you. Mm. You know, so that day I was like, I want everybody to just be nice and not say anything bad to anyone and be polite, because sometimes we're just so quick to be mad or so quick to look at somebody and be like, ew, what is she wearing? Why is that our, our natural, like way to be and I hate that and so I tell my friends all the time I'm like listen if y'all are going to be negative I don't want to hear it you know and I also have them conditioned now where if I feel this way looking at somebody else and judging their life that's a reflection of how I feel about myself Mm. you know I think a lot of times women will look at other women and be like ew why would she wear that part of it is like you're looking at yourself maybe you're saying I could never wear that or I would never yeah but who cares? Like, I think that we should always try to have empathy for others and put ourselves in their shoes and figure out why is it that there's a story all the time behind why people do what they do. There's a reason for it. And yeah. you might not know what that reason is if you don't know that person. But I like to give compliments. You know, I think that's really great. And it, it's 
good for me. Like when I see another woman, if I like what you have on or I like your hair, which I love your hair color. (laughs) But if there's something that I can see about somebody instead of just thinking it to myself, like say it. You know, because sometimes things like that are so important to a person to like uplift their mood for the day. Think about how good you feel when a stranger is like, oh, my God, I love your shoes. Yeah. And you feel like, oh, damn. Okay. You know, <laughs> just little things like that matter so much just yeah. to put that in the atmosphere. And you never know who it is that you're talking to and, and treat people equally. You know, be equally kind to everybody, whether or not you feel like they can do something for you. I love that. Um, so we're two days after the election in America. How do you feel about kind of, I think, politically women are in a terrifying position in America at the moment do you engage with politics I do in a way like I definitely went and voted and Mm -hmm. we definitely have a lot of politicians up here to discuss what's important for our community to Mm -hmm. know and you know I I really thought it was important for people to go out and vote Mm -hmm. and Uh, to think about like how can we make change it's not just voting in the presidential election it's also being involved in what's happening locally and knowing what's happening locally and what are these politicians standing for what are they running for and then after that you know we might be disappointed or even angry about some of the outcomes of the elections but that doesn't mean it's time to just be oh I give up yeah yeah completely it's really important to still engage to still make demands for us to still figure out ways like I I say all the time when we come together me and my girls like let's not just go out for drinks and gossip. Let's think about ways that we can strategize of things that we want to do for the future and how we can make that happen. Like coming together. I just joined an investment group in Detroit, right? Uh, um, so that we can get real estate together. So that. I'm actually hosting like this free mixer so people can come and learn how to invest in real estate, mm. learn how they can either get their own property if they don't want to be part of the fund. This uh, company, this dream um, real estate investment company that I've joined, they actually help people, whether or not you want to join their investment fund, they have the resources to help you figure out what properties to buy, how you can rehab them. They have the people that can do the work, you know, and yeah. things like that are important to me. And it's exciting. Like even if, say, you have no savings or you've never invested yeah. just doing little things to make those steps toward you know having an app like acorn where a little bit of your money goes toward an investment or getting an ira or getting a mm. 401k those things are empowering and, and also like those step. things are politics and mm. i think that's what people don't realize right. like anything to do with the economy or business you are putting yourselves in the political landscape and i think sometimes people think politics is just the president Right. And passing laws. Yeah. You know, but it's, it is more than that. And we did get some important things passed, like in Florida, Amendment 4, mm. where people got there um, who were convicted felons are now able to vote unless you're a murderer or, you know, se- you sexually assaulted somebody. But there's people who had like parking tickets and then now they can't vote. Yeah. You know? So it was important to restore people's voting rights. Yeah. And if they were all to vote, that would change a lot next election. 1.4 million people. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for being here and thank you so much for being on our podcast. Uh, what have you got coming up next that people can get excited about? Um, well, I have the investment fund. I have my live service podcast, which, you know, that drops podcast. every single week. I have my book club, Angela Yee's book club. I'm an ambassador for the New York Public Library now, too, which is that's the first amazing. time they even had like an ambassador. So that's exciting for me. Yeah. Um, I have my running club. That's so That's cool. empowering, too. Yeah, it is. It's looking after yourself. It's self-care. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, well, thank you so much. And I think you're amazing. And thank you for being on our podcast. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. If you've enjoyed it, or even if you didn't, we'd love to hear from you. So make sure you subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Feminists Don't Wear Pink and Other Lies, published by Penguin Random House, is available to buy now via the link in the description of this episode. All of the royalties from each book sold go to the amazing UN organisation Girl Up, who is supporting girls across the world. 
For more information and to join our gang, please follow us on Instagram at, at @feminists. Thank you so much to Audio Boom for helping us get it out there and to the wonderful Pink Feminists who've joined us as guests.